Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Yep, yep, get boys is back and reloaded. All in your mind, yeah, now deep-throated. This is for the streets, the real, the railroaded. The disenfranchised, the truth, the scapegoated. And they know it, we speak the truth, so they quote it. Cause we wrote it, the north, south, the east coast. It's the GB knocking, we keeping your head bobbing. It ain't no stopping. And once the beat drops in, violins, the system is so corrupt. They throw the rock out their hands and then blame it on us. It's GB. Don't get it twisted, on cold and we ain't dancing for no buttermilk biscuits. It's Willie D, y'all. Scarface is out. Collectively, we are the Ghetto Boys, reloaded with another episode of information and instructions to help you navigate through this wild, crazy, beautiful world. In the studio, Merlin Gambrell. Let me tell y'all something, fam. Y'all don't know the half. This woman is necessary. I ain't going to talk up too much. We're going to have a conversation and y'all judge for yourself. Marilyn, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good My good friend of, of over, we was just trying to count the years. Mm. It was like 25, 26 years yeah. we've been knowing each other. Long time. Long yes. time. A long time. Um, how is Mackenzie? Mackenzie is wonderful. She's a nurse. Now, my granddaughter is an Aryan. Yeah. The emergency room. And that, that, that's crazy, right? So mm-hmm. you got, when I met you, you know, you just had, a, your daughter was a teenager. Mackenzie mm-hmm. was a teenager. Yeah. And now you have a teenage granddaughter. Well, actually 25. not a teenager. She's 25. God, God. She's 25 Ooh, and my man. grandson is 18. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you believe that? Yeah, man, that's crazy. Wow. Yes. How, how how is grandmotherhood? Oh, it's it's spectacular. It is. And Kenzie is just the She's the most amazing mom in the world. I should have warned y'all, fam, that <laughs> Merlin is a serial crier. I am. It's called being an <laughs> but, but, empath. But, it, but yeah, yeah, right. I'm an but, empath. And and the 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 thing about it though is that it's in a good way, right? Because it, it it's like 
you wear your heart on a sleeve on your sleeve, and you know you're like uh, you got this uh, surplus of empathy, and that's what, what brings say. about the tears so often, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. But you know it's it's hard to like really explain to people the impact that you've had on the community and Houston communities in Houston and over, just overall on so many people's lives. Have you ever just really sat back and just thought about, you know, the, that, that impact that you have on people, like and the number of people that you've actually impacted? Sometimes I kind of think back going all the way back and especially when we started our program uh, for children of incarcerated parents in 2000, how many hundreds and hundreds of children have gone through the program mm -hmm. and to see them excel, but we still have children today going through the program. Right. So we're 22 years old now as far as our program is 22 years old. And uh, we turned 20 in 2020. I thought, how magical is that? And we're going to celebrate every month. And we had all these plans. We were out of there by March because of COVID. So we didn't get to do our celebrating. But we're going to, might mm -hmm. be 2023 by the time we get to it. But just the, the numbers. And my youngest then in 2000, which you meant, you came mm -hmm. to class, are now 35. Can you believe yeah, that wow. those children then wow. are in their 30s? Tell people what it is that you do. You are the founder of No More Victims. It's an advocacy, advocacy uh, mm -hmm. organization for children of inca incarcerated parents. Yes. That in, in and of itself is, is, is unique because there is not a lot of programs out there that focus strictly on children of incarcerated parents, they pretty much are like the forgotten. And people don't even think about what happens with them when, when a child, when their parent goes off to prison. So explain to people exactly, you know, what that, something like that involves, you know. This population of children, like if there were 10 risk factors that needed to be that a child could fall in these categories. This population has every single risk factor. If it's 10, each child individually will have 10 or nine, but it's usually 10 because it deals with the, the homelessness, uh, abandonment issues, have been abused issues. It's all the above in this mm. one child, but then they've got siblings. Now all the siblings carry the same pain and trauma, um, the caregivers, the, the struggles that they have, the grandparents that are now raising even newborns. And are the grandparents the usual uh, guardians that step in to raise these kids when their parents go off to jail? Yeah, most most often it's the, the grandparents that take care of that. Mm -hmm. and, and bless them. Bless because you don't get money from CPS or for adopting. Like CPS would pay a foster parent but the grandparent needs that additional income now Wait to a minute. take that. Wait a minute. CPS will pay the foster parent, but they won't pay the blood. 
They won't bl- they won't pay blood grandparents anything. They won't give them any type of relief. That, CPS, shame on you. Shame on you. Y- y'all guys, y'all need to go back to the drawing board and figure it out. Talk about backwards policy. I think it's more and more on the table now because there's so many grandparents and aunts and uncles too, but most often the grandparent that's totally responsible financially and for every aspect mm-hmm. and bless them because when you're older you don't feel well fixed income huh. and you've got all these other responsibilities and you don't just a lot of times you don't just get one grandbaby they might have two of their own children adult children in the penitentiary and taking on maybe six maybe two it's a, it's a lot more to it Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? And then being ill, not feeling well, it's just unlimited money. Mm-hmm. At one point, No More Victims had a 100% graduating ratio yes. for their their children. Yes. The children that came through the program. We still Where do. are you now? Still do. We've only had, one time we had 25 that were graduating that year and two didn't, but they did end up doing it in August. So still, that's all. So every single child that comes through the No More Victim program is not only expected to graduate high school, but they graduate. They do graduate. Some, you have to do additional things to support them or get them into a homeschool. The The bottom line is you're not... You're going to graduate, first of all. The other aspect, you don't have to go to college. You might want to own a chain of barbershops. You want to go vocational. You might Mm -hmm. want to go in the military. And a lot of them do go on to college. But the one thing you're not going to do is end up in the penitentiary. Mm -hmm. Now, that, we can work on high school all day long, but we know how critical that is to your success. Wait a minute. Hold on. So you're saying that in— 22 years, right? It's been 22 years of existence. Mm -hmm. You haven't had one kid go to the penitentiary. We have. Our goal is that you're not going. Okay. But all your kids graduated. How many kids have ended up in the penitentiary? I would say, and this give or take some I may not know about, Mm -hmm. uh, that moved to other states and stuff. But I would would say out of 1,000, we've probably had 20%. Mm-hmm. Which is what two hundred of a thousand, and and that's still a, a, a much better ratio than the the standard. You know what's going on in the schools. Just if they would just go to school, oh, yeah. and and grow up in these uh, problematic environments, mm-hmm. right? And I'm overstating because yeah. I don't want to go under. Mm-hmm. I would rather go over because we were at um, the last time when we were really counting where we sat down and, and talked about it because everything is such a whirlwind, it was 25 that it gone. Yeah. I'm adding to that just to cover, to be sure, because I don't want to leave anything out because it's abnormal, especially in the communities that we're in, like on the North Forest side, how many children and their parents were in prison from there and uh, on the South side. But we've had amazing numbers. When we had met with TDC. Texas Department of Criminal Justice before, and they assumed because it says out of every 10 children with a parent in prison, six to nine go to prison. 
Okay. So if that's the case with R1000, should have been six to 900 win. Mm-hmm. And they asked me, okay, so how many? Because they were ready. They said about 600. And at that point, when I was asked that, I said, no, because I didn't even want to say 24. Because I didn't want any. But it's true. It was 24. Right, right. And I said 24. <laughs> the whole room was like, what? Why, with those type of numbers, with that type of success, why isn't no more victims like a billion dollar organization and funds? Like y'all should have a billion dollar budget, right? Well, you, you should have a billion dollar budget. Every politician and and so-called activist organization should be descending on this company and saying, what is the formula? We need to do this in our community. Why is that not happening? The journey for this population of children, what I found, I've been told so many hateful things. Like, I'm not helping a dope fiend's kid. Who said that? Uh, just people through time have made those comments. To Give me. me a name, man. Give me a name. <laughs> or things like, um, how do I know their daddy's not the one that robbed me uh, two years ago? Wow. And I'm thinking the child was three. What are you and, talking and, and, about? But these are people who run organizations or people who have means, who have money or resources and politicians and people like business people. Um making these type of comments. Yeah, it well, it's just well, people, I, I, it's a politician have made that didn't no, make that type of comment. No, they've never said that to me. Not to, not uh, to your face. But not to my, not to my face. Right. But we've just dealt with um well, I paid my taxes I already. That's my donation to build more prisons because they're going anyway. You, wow. and, you know, it you double over. Wow. Just, by the time you get away from them cuz you're trying not to you're trying not to really really come on across like you really want to. Yeah. But those are just the things that I've been, and I've never told our children that. Because no, that would no, only no. escalate what they already think and feel. But I um, just heard a lot of terrible things. Yeah. Um, terrible things. And, you know, there's a lot of victims, millions of victims. And why, and, and I have to understand this, why would they want to take care of the child of someone's, a child who the father or mother has murdered someone and left this other family completely broken? Why would they want to do anything to support that child? So that's the mentality that comes across. And when it comes to someone who's a victim and all that they've been through, I have to understand that. Yeah. If their family member was murdered, their father is no longer there because of some, the person that murdered them, and here's their children. This child's left. The, the victim's child is now left. And this child, the, the child of the offender is left. Mm -hmm. Now you've got two sets of wounded children. But who's going to more—who do you think they're going to want to go towards when it comes to donating money and helping the family? It's going to be— that child, the child of the victim. So we have so much work to do. There are a lot more programs and, now. There are. Isn't that crazy that the child of the victim is indeed a victim and that, that kid needs mm -hmm. 
They assistance. need the love and support too. Needs yes. relief, needs love and support. Right. But the child of the offender is equally a victim. And, and didn't they need, do the crime. They didn't yeah, do the crime. It, it, that's what I'm saying. And they're, mm-hmm. they're, they equally need support and love, relief, assistance. And we have we need to work diligently to prevent the behavior from the offender's child for that behavior not to spiral into doing the same thing and being and right now street. and right now there is really any like type of proactive programs that act when you identify a, a parent who have done something egregious especially something violent mm-hmm. uh, there isn't anything to to go in and you know seek out those children to make sure those children number one have therapy get the proper Absolutely. therapy that they need mm-hmm. in order to process the events that occurred. Right. Right. How does one get into the No More Victim program? It's voluntary for our, our children. First of all, they have to want to do this. And um, the name of our, our program on school campuses is Inspiring Legends. Okay. So we want to keep it safe for them. Not because at Smiley, <laughs> no, no more victims was the name of the organization. I said, okay, you can create your own name. This organization's name, nonprofit. You can create a name that you want for your school. And they said, nope. I said, well, you're probably going to be bullied and really hear it. And they said, we want them to. And I knew what that meant. We want somebody to say something to us about it. And they would not let me give them a different name. They wouldn't do it. They said, we're tired of lying about where our parents are. We're tired of always making up stories and excuses why they're not present. Our kids saying, who was that old lady that picks you up all the time? They pick all the other kids are seeing that and laughing and making fun of them. And it's the grandparent, bless her heart, for what she does. And they stayed in a in a fight mode. You know, they were now had something that f- totally focused on the their reality, and they weren't going to let anybody get in the way from it. And they said, "That's who we're going to be." So I said, "Blessed them," because I let the, they got to choose everything. Yeah. They got to make all the decisions because they never really had any power. So I said, okay. And sure enough, those days came. And we even had a teacher make a statement to one of our kids, um, ask him why you failed a math test. And the child said, and then said, aren't you in that No More Victims program? Are you going to be a victim of your math class as well? Who said that? It was a teacher. That child cried and cried and cried. Huh. She held on, but when she came, she found me down the hallway and just fell, just fell on me. Was the teacher reprimanded? Uh, the teacher was removed. She got reprimanded. <laughs> that was a, a female teacher, a male teacher. Oh, okay. And it, it's just so many things that you would never know unless you do the work, unless you're in the trenches. But the kids told me, "says We ain't in the trenches." He said, you're with us in the gutter. I said, well, that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. They said, the trenches is a step up. 
We're going to yeah. come up and we're going to take all the other kids with them, very protective of their siblings' future, of their future. But very, I saw the most beautiful things. Their passion for their siblings, uh, elderly, they had such a respect for what had been given to them that they wanted to get so many good things for that grandparent or maybe it was their older teen was their guardian. Because mama, a lot of times the grandparents are in the penitentiary too. But the child that's 18 turning 19, that becomes their major player in their lives. But they are, if you act like you're going to hit a child, they're going to intervene. They don't care if you're in the middle of the store. It doesn't matter. They're going to step up and, and try to protect that baby. And to see that after all they've been through, that passionate. It's amazing. When a kid comes into the program for the first time, day one, what is the process of getting that kid to see things in a different way? Because usually when you've been you know, brought up in an abusive uh, situation, yeah. uh, you've had neglected parents, you know, you, you think everything that's right is wrong and everything wrong is right. How do you reverse it? What, what are some of the steps that you take, some of the first steps you take? When you come in, first of all, it's a choice. This is how we initially started. You can come in and you can't just sit in there. You're going to have to come in and say why to the entire group. And at Smiley, we averaged 115 a class. They gave us the largest classroom on campus. So you had to get up in front of your peers. Half had been fighting since the third grade. Mm -hmm. Then you had um, gang issues that were very prevalent on campus that were right there in the classroom as well. And you have to stand up in front of everybody and make a decision whether you're going to stay or not if you're willing to give something about yourself. Now, you don't just walk in and get to sit down. You have to be sworn in, which you were, which mm -hmm. is a great honor, especially when you're not, a, you know, a child at that moment. So once you come in, they'd give you the rules. If you can abide by them, then we go to the next step. Now they're going to ask you questions because they need to know they can trust you, but you're going to have to tell us about you. And when they start talking, and the things that they say is always very emotional because they've held it so long. We've had children that have actually vomited in class once they released it. Mm. it the release was so great. Wow. And then the kids, the students vote on you. It has got to be unanimous. Now, remember, most of them have been fighting. And it's so beautiful to see how compassionate the whole classroom begins to be. Once they start healing, then they understand. And to see them almost be like defense attorneys, against the DA going back and forth. Well, I don't I don't like her because she used to do what well, what if she doesn't do that anymore now though? You just gonna throw her away? We could have thrown you away. Oh, it's beautiful. I just sit back and, and watch this beautiful protection of the program, but protection of each child. And then once you get sworn in, 
That's the reason to celebrate. And then you take an oath. And once you take the oath, you're in for life. And they, they, they wanted it to be a program forever. And 22 years later, they are spectacular. The originals are still right there with me. I've got hmm, hundreds of grandbabies now. And then now we're in the third generation because one of the grandchildren just had our first, my third generation baby. <laughs> so we're in generation right. three. Right. But it's it's amazing because but you gotta have some real courage to do that. And it's you can't just come in. And so other states that have called us and once I talk to them, you can't just take every child. There's gotta be something that says you're gonna keep our confidentiality. And once we the kids created that process, then they felt good about everything. But to just let kids come in and they don't have to have any accountability whether they're going to stay or not. Other kids know you're hearing it and they'll quickly, it, it, it'll turn into a, into a whole mess because they're not going to let you keep coming. They're going to stop you. Ghetto Boys Reloaded Podcast will be right back after the break. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. 
Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. You work with these kids on a daily basis. We're talking like dozens of kids on a daily basis Mm -hmm. who have major, major, like trauma. You wear your heart on your sleeve. You internalize this stuff. You take this stuff home. I know that for a fact. Mm -hmm. You take this stuff home. You drive down the street with it. How do you keep your sanity? How How does Merlin process it to make sure that Merlin stays healthy. And when Merlin doesn't feel healthy, when Merlin feels like she needs a break, Mm. what does Merlin do to get through it? I have felt overwhelmed many, many days, still do. Um, I had to get to a place of, well, I teach the kids about how important it is to write your feelings out, but I wouldn't do it. I'm too exhausted to now sit down and write after all day and driving through the traffic. And you're going to more than one school now, too, so it's all day long. But I have finally, uh, Kenzie has probably been my greatest therapist because she's emergency room. And she sees the gunshot wounds and things that happen. Mm. And she's always wanted to work physically and help help them heal physically. Shout out to Kenzie. Yes. Shout out to Mackenzie and Madison because now she's in the emergency room. And I would tell her what I would process with her what just experiences through the day. And she would process with me what she saw. And that that became a really healing place and a healing thing for both of us to do. Um, God knows I need to uh, nothing I really don't I really don't just have some set thing that I do because everything is involving somehow directly connecting to that now the ocean does have a great impact on that if I can just get, to, I don't even have to get in and just let me hear it. Mm. But to be there, that's my greatest healing, just the, the calmness that it brings. It kind of regroup, but it's never, it's never nonstop. Yeah. It's on the phone, trying to handle things, and it's writing constantly, getting lesson plans together. But the priority is that I have all these lesson plans I've written, but what do you want to talk about today? Every day, every class is what do you want? Because things could have happened last night, and they usually have. Uh, We've had children that were sexually assaulted overnight, over the weekend. So once they talk, you need to go file the report and get other people involved that you have to with the law enforcement and, and CPS. And then you have to get them ready because it's also uh, testifying in court. And it's uh, they've seen their parents shot. We have mur- we have murdered parents, but we have missing parents as well. Been missing twenty five years. 
No jail time, no prison time. Disappeared completely. And we've talked with the FBI. We do everything we can to give some kind of peace and closure because our children carry so much. Or if the parent comes home from prison and still doesn't reconnect with the child. Or sees them for 10 minutes, never saw them before, until they got out, sees them, has a conversation, I'm going to the store, and drives off forever. Then the child's thinking, well, did he or she not like me? Do they think I'm ugly, or maybe I'm not their kid? Now, once again, it's their fault. So we work so hard and move forward, and then they get knocked back again. So it's like every adult in their lives has let them down in some some way. And but when a parent so does come home and they they know that it, what they need to do, there's nothing like it. But I just don't ever really see that. You mentioned that every adult in their life have let them down at some point. That's how they feel. And mm -hmm. they come in. Your job is to get them to trust you. How do you get them to trust you? First. And also, let me say this. You're a white woman. And majority of these kids are black and Hispanic, right? Yes. How does... <laughs> How do you get them to trust you? Um, that's a good question. Been asked that many times. When when you, what I found is when you come in and don't have this agenda already planned out, and you're very rigid, and sometimes you can think that you may very well be. When you come in warm, just really warm, okay, what do y'all want to talk about? It's whatever you want to do. This is your class. You have all the power. Tell me what you would like. And, of course, they're, they're still checking you out, but that sounds pretty good. And as they get to talking and then just, okay, and, and you're not, oh, my God, what, or don't you dare cut. You know, none of that, none of that. Leave them alone and just let them be who they are and accept them right where they're at. Don't try to change them. These are some of the most brilliant human beings on the face of the earth and can survive under the worst of circumstances. So we need to be honoring them. When we walk in there with them, we're in the presence of greatness. We, they are the greatness. And I come just, that's exactly how I see it. And I'm, I'm honored that they even let me in. They let me in. And yes, being white and there's all these other things that could have been obstacles and they weren't for the child. I think also your reputation precedes you. I think that a lot of kids, because they vouch for you, yeah. some of the kids before they get in there, they, they're willing to give you the benefit of doubt. And so yeah. that's, you know, that's maybe softens, you know, the, the blow a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, Lifetime did a movie about you. Yes. Back in 2005, right? Mm -hmm. 2005. Okay. Beating the odds. Fighting the, Merlin, the odds. Fighting the odds. Mm -hmm. The Merlin Gambrell story. How did that come about? It, that was 
I'm still stunned, even all these years later. But we had a lot of media coverage from CNN, which led to different, like, People magazine. It just it was, we didn't even, we were only two years old. I hadn't even got my feet wet yet to really know because I had no model to follow when I started the program. So we kind of overwhelmed all of us because I have work to do. And the kids don't want all that. You can have a little, but they don't they don't want you in there with cameras. We that's our space. We want to talk and now we're not gonna talk because you're in there, you know, the media, all the cameras. So then we had a US News and World Report call. That's a business journal. And I said, but we don't fit what y'all usually cover. And the person said, hmm. Um, me and another one of the journalists thought that this would really be something to show America, to show the world. And they said, may not even, they might not even give you a page. But if anything, maybe one. I said, well, you don't have to do it. It's okay if we don't know. We think that this is worthwhile. We ended up with five pages. Couldn't believe it. Now it's it's upped all the calls coming in. And from around the world, it wasn't just, you know, America. It was from, it was from everywhere. We were stunned from Greece, from Scotland, from, it was amazing. So, there, excuse me, there was a, a director for a new, for a, the movie, for Lifetime Movies, he was one of the ones that had all the, presented a lot of movies, actually, for Lifetime. And he was getting on a plane, and the U.S. News, News Report, World Report was in the back little thing, the little packet, where the, uh, the really, I don't even know. Behind the seat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, behind yeah. the seat. It was behind the seat, yeah. in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he reached over, and, and you know, they cleaned those out pretty quickly after the plane is empty, so I don't know why that one made it in there. But he pulled it out and said, oh, U.S. News, you know, he's looking for about what his stocks and stuff mm-hmm. are going on. And he stumbled across our story. He said he read it 10 times. He couldn't wait to get off the plane. Now, we're getting a lot of calls now. So all of a sudden, here comes a call. Uh, yes, this is John from this movie movie company, and we're interested in doing a story on you for a lifetime. And I said, no, it's not. <laughs> and he said, ma'am, it is. And I said, stop. And I hung up. <laughs> I, said, that would be I, I can't wait to get my hang up uh, phone call because I hear a lot of these stories people say well Quincy Jones called me and I said man this ain't Quincy Jones I hung up the phone yeah, I have <laughs> never done that before like I, you know so I need to give me one of those I need, well, I need something like that uh, and they said Miss Gambrell we really want to come see you and they said why don't you just call us back and I said yeah but you, you could answer the phone saying you're the same thing if I call you and he went, please. So I called back. They answered and gave their name, the company's name. And they flew in two weeks later, uh, wanted us to sign a contract, met with the board. Mm-hmm. They said it'll take two years to do it because we're going to send in writers and uh, all these people. And they came to class. The, the one who found me first from the plane, they came to class and— 
He cried like a baby. The kids gave permission for him to be in there. If they said no, he had to go. Didn't care if you're a movie producer. Right. The vice president, you're out. Right. It's their program. And they said, no, that's okay. And they just talked about their journey, and he just, he couldn't hardly take it. So now he's really on fire. So he brought in the writers and other people, and they just kind of followed us around and would send the, send the script to me as it was being done, and they were telling me which scene had just gotten filmed. And, you know, it was just, it just was so surreal. Like, can y'all believe this? Where did they film it? In Canada, Calgary. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, we want to bring you in, maybe bring five of the kids in and put y'all in the movie. I said, okay. And now I've got all these children. Now, five. So I picked five that I thought could handle it and wouldn't kind of panic and be, those cameras came at them and that would be able to articulate. Not so much in the movie because they did have a speaking part, but they found their way in front of the cameras and passing when they showed kids going up and down the hallway. They got in there. They were great. And they featured them in the auditorium. Mine were the whole row that was right there. And so then I got to be in it. I said eight words, so I had about eight seconds. But if you didn't know me already, you would never know that it was me because all the energy was on Jamie Gertz, who played me. And it was just amazing. Then they flew us back in, and they did a Hollywood premiere for us. But what? And there was 400 people there, and the kids and Kenzie, everybody got to come in that time. And it was just amazing. I'm still stunned. And I'm still stunned. So what a joy, though. The thing about it is that you're not done. Like, you've done so much more. Like, hell, you probably got about at least three, four books, you know. You know what I really, really appreciate about the program and and what you do is that you, you empower the kids. Mm. See, that's what worked for me. Mm-hmm. All the way to ninth grade, I I just blew all those teachers away. Like I mean, like like I blew them off. It's like it was no big deal. I never really took school in serious. And one day, my my science teacher, who was my homeroom teacher, Miss Mrs. Emma Oliver. Bless God. Bless Miss Emma Oliver at Forest Brook High School. Mm-hmm. She, um, after me and my buddy came in her class clowning, singing and stuff with trench coats and, and hats on and stuff, just acting a fool, <laughs> she made me sit in front of the class. Then the next day she made me write the daily objective on the board. I always thought that the kids who wrote the daily objective on the board was the smart kids. So all of a sudden I'm feeling, I'm feeling, Feeling smart. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't never think I was a dummy, but I didn't really think I was like one of the smart kids, right? Mm-hmm. So this was, you know, usually reserved for the smart kid and also the obedient kid, right? I never thought I definitely wasn't an obedient kid. So here I am, I'm writing a daily objective on the board. So now I feel a sense of responsibility. Then mm-hmm. She made me keep names when she would leave the room. 
Now, I'd have had no idea what she was doing to me, but she was working me. And, and, and she was empowering me. She delegated authority to me to give me some sense of responsibility. So I felt responsible. She knew if I can get this one under control, he'll control the rest of them. Because who wants to go against him? Right? So every time she came back into the classroom, the classroom was quieter than it was before she left. Because nobody wanted any problems with me. Exactly. Right. And then also, not to say she needed my protection, but it was there. I was like, ain't nobody messing with Miss Oliver. Anybody got a problem with Miss Oliver got a problem <laughs> with me. And I see that same type of energy with your children. Mm -hmm. Your kids have that same amount of energy. Ain't nobody messing with Miss Gambrell. If you mess with Miss Gambrell, it's on. And so yeah. I don't understand why more educators, more counselors don't do stuff like that. They don't empower the children. They come in, it's my thing, it's my program, it's my way of the highway. Mm -hmm. And they and it's and you're you're talking to kids and you're trying to get the best out of them. And you know, you're trying to relate to their, their you know, you're supposed to be trying to relate to their feelings and stuff like that, but you really are really dismissing their feelings when you have this type of attitude of my way or the highway. Like, did you consciously go in from day one thinking like, well, I'm going to empower them? Or did you, was there at any point that you did it differently and you said, well, I think I can do better. I'm doing it the wrong way. Did you come in day one doing it where you were empowering the kids? Day one, yes. And the the reason why is I knew what worked for me and how you treated me and what you said to me, what, how it would impact me. Then, of course, that would have the same impact with them. Right. You know, so what do y'all want to do? Okay, you're giving me the ability to make a choice, to have power, to make decisions over what I want, and I don't have any power anywhere else in my life. So I knew that would work. And the first day, well, um, the main thing is that you keep that door open for the child. And whatever they say, don't panic and make all these demands. and Because with their natural way of being, may make you uncomfortable. You might like, you don't cuss, you don't this, you don't. It's about them. It's not about you. They're not trying to do anything wrong or be disrespectful. This is just the way they communicate. You can watch children and think they're getting a little bit too rowdy and beating each other up and bullying each other. And if you try to intervene in that, they're going to come after you because that's how they play. So you have to start understanding the culture and the subculture behavior, everything that's in there. You have to not bring your own mentality from your own, like me being white coming in from and never, ever being around African-American children. I wondered where they were. I can't wait. I thought I want to be with all these other children that I hear Jesus loves the little children, red and, black, red and yellow, black and white. Ghetto Boys Reloaded Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. 
Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Where'd you grow up? So I grew up in the Beaumont area. Beaumont. Then we have Vider near there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always thought, well, where are they? How much fun would that be? So when I'm with them, I knew for a lot of them, I was the first white person, not just male or female, that they might have been around. So just looking at all of that, but... But I, I I just came in with, what do y'all want to do? And I was high energy. Uh, wasn't like, oh, what did you say? Mm-mm. I, I would sometimes repeat it back to them. And they would be, what? And I said, yeah, I know I know some words. And they would just laugh and laugh. But because we, la- we laughed a lot, humor so healing. And so healthy. Anybody know? Anybody got a good joke? It's got to be a clean one, though, but cut up. And they would talk and laugh. And I, I, we honored birthdays. We had birthday cakes. We, 
See, I'm thinking we had a birthday the first, we, we started January 4th. Well, by the 7th, it was a birthday. We were only four days old. So I'm going to bring a big cake for every child. I had all these big plans and <laughs> got him a new backpack. And then pretty soon I was having 10 birthdays a month. <laughs> They're going to do it anymore. She said, let me break this down to some cupcakes. Yeah, get the cupcakes, and only you get one. You know, it was just so massive, but they knew they were going to be honored. I took them to eat all the time to places that they had never been. And, and you I was still do. Them. Still do. Yeah. Still do, and they just get so excited. And But then I hear them talk about it. Man, I went to Pop Dolls this weekend. You know, so proud of the life experiences and seeing, yeah, you you can do that too. You deserve to do that. And we're going to do it more. And then when you are older and working, I can meet you there with your children. Anyway, that's cool. You know, making it all, and now it's looking like, oh my God, these things are possible. And then going to college, they didn't think they were, a lot of our children didn't think they were going to live. They weren't going to college. They were going to get killed, some in their own neighborhood, just because a lot that was going on. Or they were going to kill themselves because they were didn't want to live anymore. Or the penitentiary. They didn't see any mm -hmm. options. I know you, you just experienced something like that with one of your kids. Uh, last Was it last year your kid, was one of your kids was murdered? 2017. I was okay. That was 20, 2017. Divide. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was something about last year. Was was last year is when the the case was coming up or something, the the trial or something like that. No. 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 That's right. It wasn't a trial because the guy committed suicide who right. killed him. Right. Right. He yeah. Suicide. And, and this was one of your brightest stars. I mean, this is one of the oh, kids that was that getting you, his doctorate you, from Columbia. Yeah. Well, I was handing the torch to Divide. Yeah. He was going to take over the school program component. Okay. And I was going to start working. We were going to write a book together, and he was going to take care of the schools, and then we were going to hire more of our veteran members who had started with me at Smiley, hire them who had gotten degrees and became social workers to now run on the different campuses to do the program. But he was going to be the top one. The kids absolutely adored him. He was so handsome and so smart and so funny. And they just were, and he has an identical twin brother, identical. So to see him together, and he went to Forest Brook. He, it was, they were just so lovely. And when that happened, his mom called me. And I've never been the same since. How did he get on? the trajectory of success and being this progressive kid that came through the program so progressive that you identified him as a person to pass the torch to. And then he ends up getting derailed, you know, after seemingly having it all together. Well, I don't know if I would say derailed. He was in a relationship and began to see it was the person that he was seeing was beginning to stalk him and show some violent tendencies. So he wanted out of the relationship and the person came back and killed him. Um, Cause he was happy. He brought the guy to see me. I got to meet him and 
Then when I asked his mom, but who? What happened? And it was the same name. And I, I was sick to my stomach. But he was, Devon was very, very quiet. But that radar was going constantly. He was watching everything around him. And he was dealing with parental incarceration. And bless his fabulous grandmother and grandfather, because they, they're so precious and took care of them. And the mother, she took the kids to see their mom in prison. She wanted them to clearly know that was their mother. She was the grandmother. So she worked really hard to keep that relationship going. And he graduated from LSU, which was his goal. But when he came to class one day, I said, Devon, if you want to come be with us, you can. And he went, no, thank you. Just a sweet, just so precious. And I said, okay, because I knew, I know you're uncomfortable. And, and then the day he did decide to go, he told his teacher that he was coming to no more victims that day. And the teacher said, what? Why would you go in there with those kids? They're all going to prison anyway. Broke his heart. And he said, I am one of those kids. And I'm going. And it shook him to his core. But he came and just kept watching and looking and never talking. But I saw it in him, and I said, you want to go to uh, Sacramento to a Children's Defense Fund conference with me? And I took another student, and I was looking everywhere. We had finished the day, all the assemblies and everything. I couldn't find him anywhere. Oh, Lord, now we're in California. Where is this child? I'm looking everywhere. So I was stopping people on the sidewalk that were at the, big, the conference. They said, you know what? There is still a group of kids that's over in the cafeteria. And I said, let me go see. And I went in there. And there's Devon with all these college students. And they're all having a debate. And he is just controlling the whole thing. He's just firing answers off and responses, and they were said, "How old are you?" They were all amazed with him, but I heard him, and I knew the fire was lit. I watched it get lit right there, and from that point forward, every he went to Connecticut with me and another one of the kids, and he got he started speaking publicly wherever I went. I took him, and that voice. People just were so amazed with him. Then he graduated from LSU. He went on. He won the Truman Scholarship, first African-American in LSU's history to win the scholarship. And then from there, went on to Columbia, getting his doctorate, and he was murdered. And we were just, he was so ready to take it. He was so excited. So I'm I'm still not where I need to be. But like I, I didn't want to write anymore, I quit everything. I just I just wasn't up to it. But now I'm getting ready. His best friend and I are now gonna write that book. And he's about to get his doctorate. Who's coming, but we're starting our um Dr. Devon T. Wade Social Justice Reform Initiative. It's named after him. 
okay. and all the social justice issues that he wanted to make better. He wanted to resolve and make the whole the world a better place. So he wasn't going to change the world. He had already started changing the world. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to. It was happening. Mm-hmm. What a loss. What a loss to the world. The universe. Yeah. There was a girl that you told me about years ago that was in a motel room with a pimp or a drug dealer, and you went up there and got her. Went in the room, challenged the, the guy. Who was it? Was the guy a pimp or a drug dealer? Drug dealer. Drug dealer. Went in the room in Third Ward. Was that Third Ward that happened? What was it? <laughs> I know you ain't go to Fifth Ward with that. You went to Fifth Ward with that? Oh, man. Okay, so he, so he went up to to a motel room with, in Fifth Ward and challenged a drug dealer about his. What, what this woman was, it was just his girlfriend, right? Mm, they might have been, but he was dealing with her, and I think we crossed over to pimp as well, okay. back and forth. But, and so you get a call from her saying that she's in distress and you this 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 white woman show up in fifth ward if y'all don't know fifth ward fam uh let's just say you know if you see a white person there uh it it, it would be abnormal okay so you show up and you do what I went on upstairs, and you know that it was where the rooms were on the the doors were all on the outside, so I had to go up the stairs and walk down the a real motel, yeah, the real motel, kick door, kick door, we call it kick door motel, yeah, yeah. And she told me what room, and you know, I I wasn't afraid, and I look back and think, did you just not realize? Where what was really where I was, I knew clearly where I was, but when it's a child because she was a minor, you better get off your ass and go do what you need to do. And I did. So you went there and you knocked on the door. He okay. opens the door. Mm-hmm. And didn't he have a gun? Yeah, I had a gun. So he opens the door with the gun in his hand. Had it in his hand. And I'm I'm see her behind him. Uh-huh. And I said And what'd you say? I said, Come on, let's go. And he just looked at me like if you are this crazy to come up here and do this, then you probably have something on you. A weapon or something on you, because I had no fear and maybe that was just you know what? You do what you got to do, and I d- deal with the rest, whatever comes. But he didn't argue or do anything. I just took her with me. Mm-hmm. And do you have any contact with her today? Oh yeah, she's doing great. She's got two babies. Now. That's good. That's she's good. doing well. But we we've had some terrible things. Um, we've had some terrible things happen where. A mother is using drugs, and she owes the dealer. And she had gotten to a new apartment. She got into another complex, 
and there was no furniture or anything in there, but she had gotten a key. And so she was in there, and she had her daughter with her, who's one of ours. But I didn't know the child when this happened. And she, they got, she told the daughter, this is where our new apartment's going to be, and had the child come upstairs. She was 16. And she had walked downstairs to get something and saw him down the alley. Because, you know, you can look down as you walk down and saw him, and he saw her. And he comes running for her. She's trying to get up the stairs. Now, she lost from a size 16 to a size zero, which is very common, depending on what drug you're using. And he got up there. She managed to lock the door, and he kicked it in and got in there and undid the knob. And once he got in there, he held a gun on her and the daughter. And he was hitting her, the mom. And um, kicked her and told her to crawl over in, in the corner. And she did. And then he said, this is how we're going to take care of this. Get your clothes off and say that to the daughter. And she went, Mama. So this is, a, this is a minor, was she a minor at it's the time? Minor. No, I'm talking about the, the girlfriend. Uh, the girlfriend is a minor? The daughter is a minor. It was the mother. That okay, was a okay. Judge. The mother. How old is the mother? The mother's mm, probably almost at 40. Time. At that time, the mother's almost 40. And mm-hmm. how old is the daughter, the minor? 16. Okay. So the drug, so she owed the drug dealer money. So she, okay, so the drug dealer comes. He saw her. He happened to see her because he was her looking down. for her. Okay. And he came running. He saw which steps he went up. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had locked the door, and but he could hear her in there telling her daughter to hide mm-hmm. and kick the door in. And they made he held, held the gun on the mom, told the daughter to get her clothes off. And she was, of course, horrified. And the mother was, please don't, please don't. You can kill me. Don't please don't do anything to my daughter. And he he raped her in front of the mother. And she was just sitting in the corner, like in the fetal position. So the child, she was new to our school, and one of the the school secretaries said, "I don't know what's wrong, but I know she's in a lot of pain. I know her mom's an addict." Tell her to come be with us. So she came in, but she, she was the saddest child to, to look at her. She was so sad. And then she said, I want to talk. Okay. She came up to the further room. She asked me to stay by her, but she was pregnant. I said, okay. She said to the whole class what I just told you. None of us knew that. What? And she said, and now I'm six months pregnant. It was from that. From the drug dealer? The whole room. What happened to what happened to this uncivilized mutt? I don't I don't know what happened to him. I know the mom went into treatment. That she went into treatment. 
And she wasn't in jail or anything, but she just went into treatment after that. I don't know anything about him. I never heard them say his name. But this child, that's what was going on. She was carrying that. And she had gotten infected as well. But she had two STDs. It, it really it impacts your soul. But I'm not the only one. There's, there's so many people working so hard and doing good things in their life. They put their lives on the line. They give up what they have. They work so hard to be sure that children in whatever population they're in are, are getting what they need. But it's America that's got to wake up. Our politicians, everybody... We've got a lot more work to do than arguing at the White House or the Capitol building. We, Our children are in terrible, terrible danger every day, keeping secrets. And, and then they get to school and they cut up and act up, so we throw them out. Lock them up, put them in juvie. But isn't that the American way, like to put a Band-Aid on stuff? Like America just—I uh, don't think America— is interested in real solutions. Uh, they love to be reactionary. E even if even something as simple as a traffic uh, light, right? You can have an intersection where people are constantly having near wrecks and people are nearly getting hit by cars and stuff, or they're getting hit. There's accidents all the time, mm -hmm. and they won't have a signal light, a stop sign, or anything until somebody gets killed. As soon as somebody gets killed, it goes up overnight. Exactly. Like, this is... <laughs> Not preventative at all. And, you know, finally, human trafficking has been here forever. Children have been trafficked forever. But now, that that right after um, children of incarcerated parents popped up on the radar for a very brief period of time, uh, human trafficking became next and just... That got shut down, and that became the biggest thing. And thank God that now there's so many uh, programs and shelters and, and apartment complexes dedicated to pulling, getting women out of those situations. But males get in the same situation. They get trafficked, too. We don't talk about what happens to them yeah. as well. So we've got—we we do talk about it, but not nearly on the scale. It should be something we're also familiar with because we hear so much about it and what's being done about it. But— yeah, the boy, the boys are the boys are being molested and raped, mm -hmm. not just by men, but also by boys, older boys. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like so. There used to be a time you could just put the boys in the room and say, "Okay, uh, all the boys go in the room," and you know, no big deal. You know, you never have to worry about stuff like that. But now, you know, you get a boy that's you know five years old, mm -hmm. you know, in the same room with a boy that's seven or eight, he might molest him. Even eleven year old put eleven year old in the same room with a, with a eight year old. Absolutely, and he might he might he might molest him. Yeah. You know, so yeah. and uh, they've had it happen then, to them. And then you also got women who are also violators too. Women are sexual abusers, and that's something that no, don't nearly get talked about enough. There's a there's a plethora of issues that we have to deal with in in this country that we just won't confront. And what do we do? Well, we don't have a budget. 
uh, we don't have enough money. But we always got money for war. We always got money to build another monument or a museum or a park mm-hmm. or a stadium. And we got that kind of money, you know? Yeah. We got that money. All that money has come out of nowhere. But when you talk about using money uh, for for preventive, preventative measures, you know, that's why when people say defund the police, they're not talking about totally getting rid of the police. They're talking about diverting a lot of those funds instead of constantly getting new police officers, more hiring more police officers, more uh, more equipment, mm-hmm. more guns. They're saying if we would was a healthier nation, if we were a healthier people, we wouldn't need as many services from law enforcement. Mm-hmm. We, so we could use that money that we're pumping into law enforcement to actually help ourselves uh, in the mental health department. We can use that money for uh, for uh, drug addiction. We can u- we could use that money for mental illness. You know, we could use that money to 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 educate so that we don't have as many children who are teenage parents. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we're talking about. And we don't want to confront that. It's always an excuse. And then you put a lot of these people in position of power uh, and authority over these kids. And what do they do? Abuse their authority. A lot of them. You know, so, man, we, we got an uphill battle, Marilyn, and, and I'm glad you're on the front line. I really do. I mean, I really do appreciate you. I, you know, uh, I would cry, but it ain't gangster, you know. But but man, I, I really do love you. I appreciate you. You are necessary. The work that you've put in is immeasurable. I don't know a lot of people that 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 put it in the way you put it in. You know, like and you risk it all, and you you take it with you on a daily basis. You wake up with it. You go to sleep with it. And that's commendable to me. I salute you. Thank you for coming Thank on the show. You. Thank you. And I, I do want to say there's so many amazing, precious teachers as time has gone on that I've seen that are, they will let me know if a child needs something, if the child maybe doesn't want to tell them, but they sense it. And so I do want to acknowledge that. Absolutely. Right? And I'm so that, grateful to be yeah. at the schools. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of work. We've got a lot more schools that we need to be in. And there are um, so many more programs. Bless everyone that's working in human trafficking. Because I've gone through that quite a few times to get the child. Horrible things right up the street from the school. Shout out to Kathy Griffin. Shout out to Kathy Griffin. Griffin, love, love, love you. And she's been in the fight forever and, and yeah. coming from that and healing. Oh, and yeah, Kathy, a real she's, one. She's, she's impacted real one. so many lives. Love you, Kathy. Yes, love you, one. Kathy. So there's there's just, there are things going on, but we still need a lot more. But we need money to have staff that can be trained to help get into more schools, more places, do more things. We need to have more 
money just to take them places, expose them to things. And thank God they do get to go on college trips from high school and visit college campuses. But we just need to go have fun, too. Huh. Just go laugh and, yeah. and eat and laugh and just have a ball. But they are, are I have our children are the most brilliant. And I, as I said a while ago, they are absolutely brilliant. They're survivors. They can take care of nine years old, taking care of younger siblings and kept it under the radar. And nobody knew. But if they go to the corner store or they're selling drugs that young, they do. That's to keep their siblings fed. That's not to be cool because you're dealing weed or drugs or whatever. That is a that's survival. They shouldn't even be in that situation. But they are, and they'll never tell. So I just make sure that the whole family has food. I just drop it off. Hey, y'all, just see if you wanted this. Just to, because you know in your soul, your spirit, that they're struggling. And they're not always going to tell you. They're ashamed, or they've been told you better not say anything. So you just have to be on your game enough to be able to identify it, and then you... You go from there with some wisdom about how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. That trust thing is a, a very big part of it. It's like a certain words that you say, certain things that you do, that it'll just open up the floodgates for communication, and they'll tell you everything. Because it's like you alluded to earlier, that they are dying to, to have that conversation. They want to express themselves, but they mm-hmm. feel suppressed. They do. Yeah. It's a lot of fear, and they've been told they better not tell. Yeah. From family members. So they're, they try to just keep it inside. But uh, I'm just so grateful that we're there where you can come in. They yeah. might not say it the first day. They'll tell you enough that they've earned to be able to be in there for a minute. But when they do, and there's nothing like when the child, we always, it's always 100%. We've never not had a child voted in. No, and people they don't they don't understand that that's you have to put something in place where they feel protected, and you've got some rules, and you got to measure up to get in it. You have to, because yeah. kids can't come in and out whenever they want to, and all this confidential, earth shaking information is floating constantly in our classroom, and. You have to, but they decided how they wanted it to run, and I thought they were brilliant. Let me get into your business a little bit. Uh, with uh, No More Victims, uh, the budget, the annual budget for No More Victims, are, are you guys okay? Like, do you have, uh, you okay with money? Uh, or do you need more donations? No, oh, we need, we need, we need so yeah. much. You need donations. Yes. How does one donate to No More Victims? You can, we have merged now with LaunchPoint, CDC Inc. It's in, on the north side. And, uh, just send it, go to their web, go to the website, which I can tell What's you. What's the name of the website? It's org, And we're on there. And you can see how to just push it, push the button and send the money in directly for us. It'll be designated to our program. Uh, it's an amazing program. And Mr. Ivory Mayhorn is the founder of that. And you might have I know Ivory. Yeah. And I think I've interviewed. I've interviewed Ivory. You have. Before. He told me you did. Yeah. He said yes to tell you. Yeah, yeah. great guy. Yeah. He's wonderful and he's an activist. He feeds about five hundred family members every two weeks. 
the off a little yard. Mm-hmm. And he's always been a supporter. We've been partners as community um, activists for 25, well, 30 years now. So he's amazing and uh, thelaunchcenter.org. And you pull, it has the phone number on there when you pull that up. And it has a way to donate into what program you want to donate to. We have two videos on there. And Devon is in the Nick News video. You can see this child. And you'll see the greatness when you see him talking. And he's a senior on that video. But he's talking to mothers in prison. So, And his mother had just been transferred from there a week earlier. Or we would have actually seen her. They maybe wouldn't have allowed, allowed us to be in there because they were family. But she had just left. Right. But um, thank you for asking that. We always need COVID. Knocked us off our feet pretty good, you know, because a lot of donations and things stopped because nobody knew what the future was going to hold with money. They were holding on to their money, uh, which is understandable. And we're still not out of the woods. But we certainly would appreciate all the support we can get because right. we're going to have quite a few children graduating in May. And we have amazing celebrations when, when they com- graduate. When it comes to their graduation, I know that people do different stuff uh, for kids for graduation. You have people that donate prom dresses and mm-hmm. tuxedos and things of that nature. So, uh, fam, you know, if, if y'all, you know, you feel in the program, if you feel like it's it's a service that, that is needed and you appreciate it, you know, reach out to them and, and see what you can do, you know, see see how you can get involved. Uh, you know, you know, it's one thing to talk about. It's a whole other thing to be about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Merlin Gambrill family. Uh, also, your social media handles for uh, No More Victims. Do you have any? You on social? You're not on social media. <laughs> okay, we're, well, you we're know y'all. Doing that. We're, Mr. Bayhart is setting all that up now because okay. we're getting a whole new website. Right. So he's setting it up. Um, but right now, if they want to reach out, they can go to the what's the website? It's, no more victims website. It's thelaunchcenter.org, and okay. then you will hit Navigate no more victims from that. program. Okay, and then from there we can communicate and everything. All right, that's a wrap, fam. No more talk. This episode was produced by A-King and brought to you by the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. 